DFM Stereo. Community dialogue. Now we are noyemu naraunda. Taking it down to the grassroots. Hello, good evening and welcome to Community Dialogue, a show that looks at issues that are happening at the grassroots and also gives them a national outlook. With me, host Brian Malvin Casey Tolle. Now, we're going to talk about an issue that is quite controversial, an issue that gets people off their feet and, you know, wondering, we're going to be talking about the issue of access to reproductive health services for young people. We know there have been debates around this tempers have fled. People have said what they think, but we really want to unpack the issue and find out what's really going on and how can we make this a positive development in our communities. To this discussion, I am joined by Diana uh, Milos, who is the coordinator for Campus Project, which is part of a coalition and that is also pushing for young people to have access uh, to reproductive health services. I'm also joined in the... Uh, Diana is joining us on the phone and in the studio, I'm joined by two gentlemen who are from the Zimbabwe Youth Policy Tracking Group, and they are Delight Muchasundi. Delight, welcome to Community Dialogue. Thank you, Mr. Brian Stolle. Good, Good evening, Zimbabwe. Good evening to you. We also have Prosper Zimbili, uh, who is also from Zimbabwe Youth Policy Tracking Group. Uh, Prosper, welcome to Community Dialogue. Thank you, Brian. Good evening, Zimbabwe. Uh, good evening to you as well. And uh, Diana, welcome to ZFM Stereo. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm actually excited for the conversation. Same here. We had the, just to let our listeners know it, the conversation earlier on in the afternoon, I was like, you know what, this is something that we need to discuss. So if you are listening from wherever you might be, in Mani Mani 91.3 FM, Victoria Falls 06.5, Mashingo 96.1, and uh, Kama TV. 105.1. If you're listening from wherever you are tonight, we want to hear your views. Muriku Fungini has a session relative health and access. But I wish you give up your services. Jaka Mira say. But just to give a context to this, the teenage pregnancy rate in Zimbabwe is standing at 22%, which means one in five girls. Um, might not uh, make it to the end of their teenage years before they fall pregnant. 70,000 abortions and complications have been reported annually in the country. And 59,472 school dropouts have also been reported. All of these issues have got a bearing, they've got a link to issues around sexual and relative health rights. So after having uh, listened to these statistics, Diana, can you shed more light on what is happening, what is on the ground right now, before we talk of uh, legislation and whatever, what is happening to young people when they try to access um, these services? All right. Uh, thank you so much uh, for, for the opportunity to be able to share this. Uh, I think what we are seeing happening in our various communities, and I think this is something that everyone can also attest to seeing, is something as simple as teenage pregnancies, for example. We have seen quite an increase in the number of teenage pregnancies that are around us and with COVID that we've just also come from those numbers have more than doubled as well mm-hmm. uh, as you see that. When you start to also uh, dig a little deeper, we start to see that some of these teenage pregnancies are also leading into a lot of forced child marriages, right? Because as the average parent is saying, you got pregnant because you were sleeping with this boy, you go and live with him as your husband. But that does not always necessarily translate into 
just because you are pregnant that you will be a good mother, that you will be a good wife, that you will have a good home, among mm-hmm. other things. We are also seeing that there is quite a, a high number of our, our, our adolescents and the young, um, uh, uh, young people that are also dropping out of school. Uh, despite the fact that we have a new law in Zimbabwe that has allowed um, our learners to stay in school despite getting pregnant, but because right the education amendment out, act right yes they are not being you know they are yes the, the law is saying they are allowed to stay in school but there is not, no other support that is available for them and we also know how parents then often don't then uh, continue to support uh, learners to continue to also attend uh, a school when they get pregnant again because they are saying you go to your husband you go and and and, and start your own home we are also seeing that because there's such a, 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 a if I can call it a, a, a taboo in talking about sex and issues related to sex, we've mm. also started to see that our young people are not getting sufficient information around their reproductive health. So what it essentially means is, yes, we are talking about we need our young people uh, to abstain, but mm-hmm. there's very limited information around that. We want our young people to protect themselves, but there's limited information around that. We want our young people to stay HIV negative and to go for HIV testing, but we are not allowing the various spaces to open up to give that information. Um, uh, because, again, we are saying we have certain laws in place that they make it very difficult. All right, before we get to the laws, uh, Diana, this is something we'll get into uh, as we progress, but I like the passion that you have for the on, on the issue and also the issues that you've raised, which, which you've raised that, that are quite pertinent, you know, that young people are already indulging. And, you know, as also we've seen from the statistics that I shared, let me also rob in our patent list who are in the studio. Uh, Prosper, I'll start with you. What has been your observation around this subject? What is happening right now? Uh, thank you, Brian. Um, a lot is happening, but I'd like to focus on uh, three things. Uh-huh. First, um, and I always say this, whether or not we like it, we have had American influence for the last 32 years and counting in our country. This is to say from around 1990. Um, up to today obviously and counting uh we have l- watched a lot of hollywood we have uh, um, listened to a lot of their music we've watched a lot of netflix etc etc so what our children are exposed to now is not what children back then probably during our parents era were exposed to um children on tv which is what a lot of, uh, of our children are consuming American TV, introduce their boyfriends and their girlfriends to their parents even at a tender age of 13. And there are a lot of issues to do with, with uh, intimate relations and sex and, and sexual and reproductive issues mm-hmm. on the TV and a lot of other media that our children consume. So whether or not we like it, they have this information but it might not be adequate and it might not be context sensitive. So while we want our children to abstain um, up to a certain age uh, some of them will, some of them will not. So we can either choose to ignore what's going on or we can choose to take it head on. So the fact is children as young as 13, 12 even, are either having sex amongst uh, themselves with their peers or even getting, uh, you know, abused, molested uh, by older people. These are things that are happening. And so what's happening on the ground is we have a lot of people that are resistant to change and that do not want to come head on with this fact. And... Um, that's causing a lot of problems with our kids and then probably um 
the second thing that I'd like uh, to focus on just real quickly, uh, what's also happening on the ground is this. Uh, in our diversity, um, we still have people um, whose uh, beliefs generally do not agree with uh, what's on the ground. So like I'd initially said that we, we have had a lot of uh, cultural dilution uh, to the point of acculturation even. Mm -hmm. We still have a lot of religious people, a lot of cultural people that do not believe in what's going on and that's probably problematic but also finally uh we we have a lot of young people um and a lot of uh, their allies working with them that are working uh, in the civic society organizations and government and a lot of other spaces to try and change things on the ground and in as much as we haven't gotten to where we want to get i want to proudly say that uh, some ground has been covered for example this is why we are in the studio today speaking about these things when the whole nation is listening thank you right we are normalizing the conversations right and that's a start you know we start from somewhere delight anything to add <coughs> thank you so much my brother and i think it's very important that we have conceptual clarity from the offset mm -hmm. number one what we need to qualify is that when they are concerned players coming on board to say let us advocate for the host holistic provision of srhr services from policy formulation to policy implementation we are not advocating for our young children to have sex okay but again we cannot keep on keeping our heads in the sand and wear a moral jacket we know for a fact that our young sisters our kids are indulging and having early sexual debuts and they are losing a lot of young people through that and we are saying what can we do with the problem and in shona we say paita bongo zozo that's why we have relevant players trying to engage the government trying to engage uh, youth uh, platforms to say what can we do to do away with this problem that's number one then number two i think it's also very important to to show out even i know you're going to delve into it that the issue of SRHR services does not only uh fall within the ballpark of minister of health we are speaking about the child amendment bill we're talking about the child justice bill we're talking mm -hmm. about the education bill you see these are all stakeholders in the proper bringing of a child so i'd like to engage that citizens that are listening and some of us that are viewing us from at home to listen closely and be able to proffer solutions because we need to be able to place the community on the center of what we are doing we need to have approaches that assist us my brother spoke about cultural relativism where people may have uh, may have um services to them but it's not acceptable in within the certain context but if they come on board and say this is how i want you to shape and curate such a solution it becomes holistic and sustainable in that respect all right diana um let me drop you in on this uh delight brought in something very important uh, he talked about what is meant by access to sexual and reproductive health services. I want you to interrogate that further. Are we saying that all children should get contraception? Are we saying that what exactly does this mean? All right. So when we are talking about the conversation around access, we are simply saying as it currently stands, if a young person, allow me to use an example of a 14-year-old girl who has been raped mm -hmm. uh, is at risk of getting an STI, is at risk of getting HIV, is at risk of getting pregnant. When they want to go right now to a health facility to get help, they will require that another adult come into the picture to consent on their behalf mm -hmm. to be able to access those services. What it means is if there is no adult who is willing to come in 
and consent on their behalf. They cannot get the assistance they need. They cannot report their case on their own. They cannot get STI treatment on their own. They cannot get anything that will prevent HIV or pregnancy at the health facility, despite their predicament. Because our current laws then speak to, you need to have an adult that is there with you. Mm-hmm. And it also goes on to then also, uh, of course, the definition of the consent that is then given, uh, if we're looking, for example, at our public health act, it specifically talks about a consent coming from someone with legal capacity. And we already know that what, when we're talking about legal capacity, we're talking about 18 years. And when right. you're looking at the Children's Act, it also then speaks to the age of 16. So what it essentially means is where, for example, an adult is the perpetrator, they are not able to take their, uh, to their 14-year-old to say, let us go and get treatment, let us go and get help, let us go and get um, um, uh, the help that we require. It also means that when a neighbor is seeing a case of abuse, when a neighbor is seeing that a child requires assistance with, the, um, with, with STI treatment, whether they are seeing that there are cases, a health case that they need to attend to, they cannot do that because they are by law not considered to be uh, the rightful person who can consent on the behalf mm-hmm. of that child. And as such, our children are then falling into those pitfalls that we spoke about earlier on, teenage pregnancies, forced marriages, among uh, some of those other issues that are coming there. But we are then saying, let us look at our community and look at, is it every child who is able to go to their mother or their father and say, I had sex with my boyfriend yesterday and I got an STI. Or I accidentally agreed to have sex, but I need to uh, avoid the pregnancy by getting a morning after pill. Or who can go and say, Mommy, can you go and buy me condoms because I want to avoid HIV when I'm uh, uh, being sexually active. Those are conversations that are very difficult. And unfortunately, in our African culture, conversations around sex are a taboo. So it is very difficult for a young person to, to bring any adult into the conversation, particularly when the service is sexual in nature. I say sexual in nature because it's not all the time that it is sexual in nature. For example, girls, when they start their menstrual cycle, they need information around their menstruation. They need someone to sit down with and talk to about menstruation. They need to be able to go to facilities where they can get that information, where they can, in some cases, get the pets that they require, you know, the Mm -hmm. painkillers that they require. But the conversation, because it is often seen as taboo, means it's very difficult for a girl also to talk about her menses. But we also know that there are other issues that are related to menstrual cycles for girls. For example, some girls get what we call yeast infection, right? A yeast infection will present itself as if it's a sexually transmitted infection. So it makes it very difficult for a young person to go to their mother and say, I have something happening with my private parts. Can you please take a look? Because the reaction of the parent more often than not is, so you have a boyfriend, what have you been doing? And so we are saying, when when a young girl starts to notice that there is something that they don't understand that is happening on their body or something, information that they require, 
are they able to walk into a health facility and say, nurse, can you assist me? Mm-hmm. I have this issue. I don't understand it. Please assist. And then we actually allow as a community that nurse to be able to say, okay, having looked at you, this is what I think you need. Having looked at you, this is the information that you need. Having interacted with you, this is the course of action I recommend. But with our current laws, it then puts cuffs on the hands of service providers because uh-huh. there's only so much they can do for that young girl. There's only so much they can do in the absence of an adult to come in and consent on their behalf. Yes, some parents are available to be able to do it on behalf of their children. Sadly, we are in a very ultra-conservative society, so most parents would not be available to assist their young ones. All right, uh, you have spoken well, hey, uh, on what's happening right now and on the challenges that we currently face, that sometimes the adult is not there. Sometimes the adult that you would think somebody would bring to the clinic is actually the perpetrator. Then what happens there? Um, so I've got, um, I'm glad that I've got uh, you, Delight, and, and Zimbili from the Zimbabwe Youth Policy Tracking Group. So let's talk about the alternative. What kind of laws can we have which ensure that we deal with the challenges that uh, D has raised? Uh, thank you. Thank you, Brian. Um, I want to speak about a concept uh, that we spoke of uh, this afternoon, um, the, the concept of evolving capacity, right? Mm. Um, so this is a concept um, which talks about uh, the education uh, of children, child development, youth development, and youth development programs that are obviously led by adults, but that take into account the capacities of the child or the youth to exercise their rights on their own behalf. It also speaks about the, the adults' responsibilities to be mindful of uh, the rights of the children and the youth, uh, the children particularly in, the, in this case, and to be able to protect them. So I think our laws, um, our legislators, and of course um, civic society organization and everyone who works with and who lobbies uh, our legislators to, to make laws or amend them, is now supposed to be mindful of this concept. We need our laws to be able, um, like Diana was saying, to, for example, um, take away the liability of uh, uh, um, a medical expert, for example, or a social worker, for example, or any adult who at one point or another comes into contact with a child who needs sexual and uh, reproductive um, uh, rights, right? Uh, to then be able to take a decision to help a child. This issue basically boils down to the issue of access. The laws that we have in place right now are the kinds of laws that basically restrict access uh, and then put a bottleneck. Um, I think largely because society tends to think that if we say a child needs to be empowered to be able to seek help, we are simply saying a child is going to, needs to be empowered to, for example, have sex willy-nilly and uh, be irresponsible with their sexual and reproductive health, which is an the case. Take for example uh, Diana's as an example when she says what if a 14 year old is sexually abused by her own father who then gives her an STI mm. but because uh, section 34, uh, 35 rather subsection 1 of the Public Health Act um, contemplates that uh, a person uh, who has to have informed consent has the legal capacity to do so. A 14-year-old does not have the legal capacity to do so, and they definitely cannot get their father to go and consent on their behalf for them to be treated of that STI. So where does the concept of evolving capacities come in, in our, um, basically, in our legislation? This is where then, for example, it gives... Um, 
any other person a social worker for example a nurse mm -hmm. for example mm -hmm. uh the right to look at a child when the child goes to them and say i've been raped by my father to make an assessment and probably in the assessment if they notice that this child has been raped and yes they have contracted an sti to be able to treat them without the risk or the liability of being sued by the parent right. or any other entity capable of suing them because what then this does is when it takes away the agency of people that can help the kids it also restricts access to the kids and then basically it is self-defeating to the cause mm. it is self-defeating to us having to spend time in a studio with you speaking to the nation of us having to lobby our legislators of us having to get into communities and speak to people when we do not take into account the concept of of, of evolving capacities and maybe finally um i want to speak about how this isn't something alien to, to, to lawmaking when it comes to uh, children's rights. This is something that the international community uh, is already far ahead of us in terms of using. This is something uh, that is taken from the Convention on Children's Rights. So a lot of countries, basically, um, have taken into account this concept of evolving capacities, mm -hmm. which and it basically has worked and because we also want to emulate such a situation when we can protect our kids better it's something that we need to take into account our legislators our civic society organizations um our ngos and basically every person in the community uh, including parents and guardians so that you can go to kana mwanaka kanganiswa ko zero dzake iwo ukataura ukatawa nerubatsiro unogona kusungiswa anditi ne ne vabereki so we are saying we want to do away with that which i think is is, is a very very fair um way of looking at it uh delight anything to add thank you so much my brother and i think uh the two speakers they did a good job in terms of explaining the topic in its broadest sense mm -hmm. and i must acknowledge that the efforts that have been put by government for us to have this platform we understand that we're benchmarking our our best practices through the constitutional uh, of 2018 on its own that is a plus on our side however i think we want to make it clear that in zimbabwe the age of consent to add uh, to sexual intercourse is 16 years of age mm -hmm. but for you to access services you need a legal guardian even when you're at 16. so mm -hmm. here's the dilemma my brother other services that are incidental to that you can write your all levels at 16 you can have a driver's license at 16 you can tap into the economically active group at 16 as you age to be on the age of majority but we have however taken again the right um, of those individuals when they come when it comes for them to make decisions on behalf of their bodies in behalf, in, um, on behalf of their sexual debuts of which it's a dilemma and it's a, it's a conundrum on its own because again it defeats the whole purpose of what we're doing mm. number two is a clarion call to policymakers i know they are listening into ZFM, my station, your station, to say, uh, let us align the constitution with progressive policies. Mm -hmm. One of the problems that we have in Zimbabwe is a conflict between our constitution and our policies. And there's also in a third force in terms of undocumented and unspoken cultural practices. Mm. You find the issue of cultural relativism in other corners of Zimbabwe, what might be acceptable in Masingo is different in Murewa. So either the problem, if the communities does not come on board, if parents at a household level does not come on board, it becomes a problem and becomes a challenge. 
an extension to that is to say laws are made for us and we should make time to understand the laws one of the things that we've realized even amongst the young young people's constituents has been apathy during to the attendance of civic processes in general if there's lawmaking process we find that young people are not are not coming on board they don't and come right? they don't come and because it's the zimbabwe with policy tracking group this is something within our ballpark we understand what we are discussing here and we want to age our very uh, our young people to say please come on board because i cannot speak on your behalf i don't know your lived reality but only when you're empowered enough to come and speak and use the valuable channels and the valuable platforms we can go forward then to the lawmakers i'd like to urge them and appeal to their sober minds to say let us not be conservative extremely conservative yet we are losing lifeless life you find even the termination of pregnancy i know we cannot cover everything today mm-hmm. even to quote all the uh, amendment bills that are before the parliament but you find the prevailing argument is not scientific is not economical but at the end of the day it's moral so when has morality become an index of human development on its own i know this may not appease other listeners but at the end of the day let us be a practical in our approach as we go forward and as we uh, and as we try to mitigate this challenge okay practicality is important right let us look at issues the way they are happening now in a minute i'll start with you diana what are your parting shots Hopefully, we're running out of time i can't believe we've been talking for about 30 minutes now but as we sum up diana what are your parting shots uh, I think that what I would want to maybe just highlight is, generally speaking, no parent wants their child to have sex, know about sex, talk about sex. That is just the reality, and that's why we have, for example, movies that are rated PG. No pastor wants their congregant, for example, to drink. But the reality, unfortunately, is why we don't want that as parents. Our young uh, uh, children are talking about sex. Our young children are having sex. Our mm-hmm. young children are learning about sex. So what we need to do now is to get to a stage where we say, yes, my child has made a mistake and they have engaged. Uh-huh. But let's not make them pay for the rest of their lives for a mistake that they did that one time, you know, when their their judgment lapsed, when their understanding lapsed. And then we expect that they pay for that mistake for the rest of their life. Let uh-huh. us help our young people to still be able to be young people despite the mistakes that they have made and let us help them get back to enjoying their childhood even after they have made mistakes and where uh, other people have violated them let us assist each other as a community to be able to to make sure that they have received the redress and the help that they need from us in the community all right uh, what i'm getting from you is let's not cut our noses to spite our our faces right our punishment shouldn't be to an extent that we're actually ruining somebody's future because of this let's allow children to be children um i also come to you uh delight what are your parting shots I think I, will, I would want to emphasize on what all the speakers have said to say, number one, practicality. Let us be practical in our approach. Mm-hmm. Number two, especially to our parents, they are an important stakeholder to this uh, important conversation. When you see health service providers or when uh, your niece or your child or when your young brother comes to you, take time to listen. Do not use your own lived experience to determine what they're going through. Because sometimes what we lose, we lose out these young people, not because they don't want to listen, but because they, know, they understand that the home institution is toxic in a way they are not uh, willing to come forward on board and they're not willing to assist mm-hmm. then in all this mr. Brian there's a constituent that we need to keep in mind mm-hmm. those are that are living th- those with disabilities mm-hmm. some of them they are deaf some of them they are dumb some of them cannot even speak 
at the end of the day it takes a community that is responsible enough to understand and to look at the, them and understand the signs of what is going on because there they get abused they have nowhere to report and even our environment is not yet disability friendly right and it's something that we keep on saying to say to the lawmakers to the community let's make sure that we achieve that as a human society uh, exactly let us be inclusive in our approach uh mr zimbili what are your parting shots uh, my parting shots brian are that abstinence is a uh, very good and the way it has been applied it works perfectly mm. and let me emphasize perfectly but unfortunately uh, not all kids are going to abstain because like we said the information in the media that they consume basically exposes them to some of these things and some of them fail and so we need to to um realize and recognize that childhood is not a single um fixed universal experience and mm. the lives of our children require different degrees of protection provision prevention and participation at different stages of their life so for those that fail to abstain let us try and not restrict access to them to have uh, sexual and reproductive um, health rights uh, because um, for example in conclusion uh, how a white male a 15 year old white male in Shisipiti's experiences basically in terms of sexual and reproductive health are not the same as those of a 15 year old black closer girl in Zimbili extension in Mbembezi who sits on a wheelchair mm. so we need to, to 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 take cognizance of that and then we need to give as much access to our children as we can for uh, sexual and reproductive health rights right access simply means that if needs be the resources are available that's what i got from you uh lady and gentlemen thank you so much for taking time out to have this conversation with me unfortunately we already spent 30 minutes talking about the issue and that's all the time that we had for community dialogue but i i really appreciate your taking time out to participate in this conversation with me thank you for having us great so they say as teaching time saves nine it's important that we nip the problems like the one that we're discussing today in the bud problems of uh teenage pregnancies problems of backyard abortions by ensuring that our young uh, our young people at least have access to certain and relative health the rights and services as and when they need them and really that's all the time that we had for community dialogue around with me your host brian marvin casey told and i'm saying good night stay safe take care of yourselves and of each other loading the red carpet for kimball rogers who is up next for now it's good night stay safe